Joining us on the line is Douglas Brunsky, a New York Times bestselling author, host of the top-rated Sirius XM author podcast dedicated with Doug Brunsky. He has a brand new book out titled The Mysterious Case of Rudolph Diesel. I've read the book. It is fantastic. It is coming out in just a couple of days. Doug, thanks for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. It's great to be here. So why don't we start with a pretty obvious question. Who the heck is Rudolph Diesel and why don't we know his name? <laughs> kind of, his name seems familiar because obviously we've seen the brand of like what a diesel is, but what, what who is he and why did yeah, you care about I mean, him? It is often misspelled with a lowercase d, unlike Ford, Chrysler, Benz, and others. And he really, the deficit of appreciation for Rudolph Diesel is massive. And seven years ago, I was like most people and knew, of course, the diesel engine, but not that there was this man, Rudolph Diesel, who had invented it in 1897. I was, I was buying an old boat, a bigger boat that had these gasoline engines, and I was going to repower it. And the guy's like, well, you really ought to repower a boat like this with diesel. And I had no idea why. And he launched into these reasons that 100% of boat fires come with gasoline engines, zero with diesel. The fuel efficiency is four times and there's no fumes. The fuel is stable. So I repowered it. And then later I was looking around for ideas for a new novel, came across this list of mysterious disappearances at sea and learned that in 1913, just before World War I, Rudolf Diesel, who at the time was as famous as Elon Musk, the history of him has really been paved over over the last 120 years, but he disappears and the prevailing thought was it was suicide. He was on a passenger ship going from Belgium to Great Britain. But there were two other theories that emerged in the headlines because it was front page news from New York, Western Europe, Moscow. Everyone was talking about the disappearance of Rudolf Diesel. And there were two murder suspects. One was Kaiser Wilhelm, the emperor of Germany. And the other was John Rockefeller, the richest man in the world and founder of Standard Oil. And as I explored the motivations behind these two men, a whole story emerged. So let's talk about some of the evidence that you uncovered in your investigation, because it really is pretty fascinating. So you mentioned these two theories. I want you to explain why people thought that John D. Rockefeller would be interested in, say, killing Rudolf Diesel and why Kaiser Wilhelm might have been interested in getting rid of the guy. In the case of Rockefeller, it was really unsettled what the fuel of the 20th century was going to be. And one thing I uncovered in here that many people may not know is that in 1905, there was a fleet of New York taxicabs, all electric cars. There was a charging station on Broadway in Times Square. And Rockefeller at that time, he had made all his money through kerosene. Standard Oil was founded in 1870. By the turn of the century, he was the richest man in the world. But Rockefeller and Standard Oil, they were in the illumination business. Gasoline was something they would throw, throw away as a waste product, and they were selling kerosene that they distilled, distilled from rock oil, petroleum. In 1900, though, Rudolf Diesel won the Paris World's Fair for his internal combustion engine, the diesel engine, running on peanut oil. And he was advocating that countries around the world didn't need petroleum. We didn't need to be beholden to places in the world that drilled oil out of the ground. We could grow our own fuel. We have farmers. He could run the engine on vegetable and nut oil, which by the way, 15 years ago, Willie Nelson's on tour in his bus with a diesel engine, running the bus around the country on recycled kitchen grease that works to this day. And that's what diesel advocated. And he said, I can break the American fuel monopolies, not through a law, not through the Sherman Antitrust Act, but through the power of my technology. So he was an existential threat to Rockefeller just at the time that he had lost the leg of the stool of his revenue base of kerosene that was going down. He needed combustion engines to run on gasoline. In the case of Wilhelm, Kaiser Wilhelm, the emperor of Germany, we're in the midst of intense nationalism, militarism, and the focus of it really is the Anglo-German naval arms race. And Britain, since the time of Napoleon, had dominated the seas. They had a shipbuilding facility and infrastructure around their country to build dreadnoughts, the, the, the most fearsome battleships of the time, faster and better than anyone else. 
Germany, while it was growing from the time of Bismarck in 1870, was this you know had the most powerful land army of the time. But in order to grow, felt they needed to feed their nation with an imperial structure, which in fairness, much like the British already had. So they wanted colonies for natural resources to come back to Germany. And to do that, they needed a powerful navy. And at this time in 1913, the diesel engine had emerged as the only way to power a submarine or a U-boat. So the naval powers of every major power were scrambling for diesel expertise. It was still a young engine. And the main guy who could really develop the engine for the exacting requirements of underwater uh, engine use was diesel himself. And the reason he was traveling across the North Sea in 1913 to Great Britain was because he was co-founder and board director of a new diesel engine manufacturing company in Great Britain, whose mandate was to build diesels for the Royal Navy submarine program. So Wilhelm clearly would have been upset by that. And so both of these men viewed diesel as an existential threat. I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Do you ever read the fine print that appears when you start browsing in incognito mode? It says your activity might still be visible to your employer, your school, your ISP. How can they even call that incognito? To really stop people from seeing the sites you visit, you need to do what I do and use ExpressVPN. Think about all the times you've used Wi-Fi at a coffee shop, a hotel, even at your parents' house. Without ExpressVPN, every site you visit could be logged by the admin of that network. That is still true even when you're in incognito mode. Your home internet provider can also see and record your browsing data. In the United States, they are legally allowed to sell that data to advertisers. ExpressVPN is an app that encrypts all your network data and reroutes it through a network of secure servers, so your private online activity stays just that, private. ExpressVPN works on all your devices. It's very, very easy to use. The app literally has one button. It's happy to connect. Your browsing activity is now secure from prying eyes. So stop letting strangers invade your online privacy. Protect yourself the way I do with Express vpn.com slash ben yt today get an extra three months free on a one-year package that's expressvpn.com slash ben yt expressvpn.com slash ben yt one of the things that, that you come up with in the story i don't want to ruin the book obviously because the the what you uncover here really is kind of an astonishing theory and and you have a lot of support for this sort of astonishing theory but how did you come to the the conclusions that you did without sort of naming the conclusions and giving it away for people who haven't read the book yet. How did you come to the conclusions that you did that are that are basically that neither of these theories is true and maybe some another kind of third wild theory uh, might be true? Yeah. Yeah, thanks. So, so the, what I typically say is it wasn't suicide. You can trust me on that. But uh, I, it's almost like, you know, those weird little paintings where you sort of stare at these dots and then after 10 minutes of looking at it, it it's a unicorn or whatever. It was like that. I, I became fascinated with the story. I went into this five-year rabbit hole of going through archives around Europe and America, reading old newspaper archives, because from the time of his disappearance, there was this two-week stretch of rabid newspaper reporting about the disappearance, headlines everywhere. And, and much of that newspaper reporting had cl- conflicting testimony of people involved in the, in the transportation of him across the North Sea on that day. And so I, I, had, I started to realize none of these theories really made a lot of sense. And the more I got into it, I had a theory of what did actually check all the boxes on how this might have happened. And initially when I was going to write the book, I thought, well, maybe I'll write historical fiction. And because there's almost nothing written about this guy in the English language. I mean, it really is such a travesty that he's been so ignored uh, given his contribution to industry and, and, you know, regrettably in some cases war too. But so the more I unearthed, the more I got into archives, the more I'd find these little treasures of a scrap of paper that gave context to the story that only a few people would really recognize had significant meaning. And treasure after treasure after treasure that I found supported the conclusion to the point that, you know, I when I was done, I sent the, the 
my investigation, call it, uh, out to former British Secret Service, former CIA, and they were like, 100%, this is what happened. It's amazing. Check out the book. It's really worth the read. The Mysterious Case of Rudolph Diesel. Doug, congrats on the book, and, uh, and really, good luck with it. Thanks very much, Ben. Great to be with you. Alrighty, folks, we've reached the end of the show. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 